Lekutei Sichai Schelek Yudches, Parshas Kairach, Sicha Gimel. In this week's Torah portion, we read of the rebellion of Kairach and his group against Moshe and Aaron. For their rebellion, they received two punishments. The Torah teaches us in chapter 16, Perak Zion, in verse 32, Posuk Lamed Beis, Vatiftach HaHoretz is Piha, Vativla Oisam, Vespotehim, Veskol HaOdam Asher Lekairach, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, their houses, and all the men who were in his group of rebels with him, and all their property. And they, and Nadav and Avihu, and all they possessed, descended alive into the grave. The earth then covered them up, and they were lost forever from among the people. The second punishment was, as we learn, in verse 35, that the 250 men who brought the incense offering, attempting to prove their worthiness for the priesthood, were consumed in a fire that came forth from God. What do we know about punishment in Torah? We know that a punishment that comes from above, from God, has a likeness, so to speak, is sourced in the act of the sin that a person commits. Our sages say, in the same measure which man uses to define his actions, God too measures him in this way. And so it is for every creature in this world. Even according to the opinion that reward and punishment are not a result of the mitzvahs and averus one does, but rather function like a system put in place. Certainly, according to the opinion, that reward and punishment are a natural consequence of human behavior. In that case, we would want to understand what is the connection and resemblance between these two punishments of being consumed by fire and being swallowed alive to the sin committed by Kairach and his group against Moshe and Aharon. Regarding the punishment of being swallowed by the earth, we could explain that the quarrel of Kairach and his group against Moshe was that Moshe devised the appointment of Aaron as high priest and his sons as deputy priests on his own. They were agitating to become more important than they thought they were to become priests. They wanted something higher, more elevated, and so their punishment brought them down into the ultimate downfall. Similarly, regarding the punishment of being consumed by fire, the verses tell us that the punishment of fire was a result of the actions they took in bringing the Keteris offering, an offering of incense placed over burning coals to release the aroma, brought only by a priest. But they were not priests, and so much like the foreign fire offering of Nadav and Avihu, the sons of Aaron, who were Kayanim, but brought an unbidden sacrifice, their end was through a fire that came forth from God and consumed them. But this isn't completely clear. The bringing of the Keteris by these 250 men who had joined Kairach was Moshe's idea. The purpose, of course, was to show and bring proof regarding who God desired should be in the position of Kayan and what Hashem's choice was. But the actual sin of rebellion against God actually taking their lives into their own hands, going against God, 
isn't seemingly connected to this punishment. More so, after this event, Hashem commanded that the fire pens used should then become an overlay for the altar, and so that they would serve as a memorial for people to point at and say, Elu al These were from the people who disputed the kahuna, the priesthood of Aharon, and were consumed by fire. By saying, though, that they were consumed by fire because they brought the Kteris, the primary issue was omitted in this symbolic event. Their sin was that they rebelled against God. In that case, we must say that the punishment of Venisrafu being consumed by flames has a direct connection to this memorial that points to those who contested the priesthood. So what is the connection? As well, and in that same vein, we really need better clarification regarding the punishment of being swallowed alive by the earth. We've indicated that the significance of the punishment was that as they tried to raise their sta- station or status against God's will, they were lowered together with everything they owned into the depths. But looking at the verses that follow, particularly verse 30, Posuk Lamed, and the Midrashic explanation, the essential point of the punishment was being swallowed by the earth. As the verse tells us, V'imbriya yivra Hashem u'fatsitsoha adama espia u'volam oisam v'toychel asher lohem v'yordu chayim sh'oila v'yadatem ki ne'atsu ha'anashim ha'ela es Hashem. If the ground opens its mouth and swallows someone up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the depths, you will know that they spurned God. Then there is another point that requires clarification. The Medrash says, Kairach himself was punished more severely than all the others. He was consumed by fire and swallowed by the earth. Why both? If he had been consumed by flames and not swallowed up, those who had been swallowed, continues the Medrash, by the earth, would clamor for justice and say, we didn't bring all this upon ourselves, Kairach did, but we were swallowed alive and he was saved from this. And the Medrash continues saying, if he was swallowed alive and not consumed by fire, then those who were consumed by fire would clamor and say, we didn't bring this upon ourselves, it was Kairach's doing, but we were consumed by the flames and he was saved from this. Therefore, concludes the Medrash, he was judged and condemned to death twice. But really, if Kairach had been condemned to death with only one of these punishments, how could anyone clamor about him being saved? Even one death is still death. To understand this, we need to understand the core issue of Kairach's rebellion. Kairach's grievance was that, Ki kol ha'eda kulam kedoshim, u'betoicham Hashem, the entire nation, he said, is holy. God's presence is amidst us all. Why then should you lord it over God's congregation? Kerch wanted a completely equitable situation where no one Jew was on any higher level than another, which in his understanding was a representation of true unity. The Torah, however, teaches that his behavior was just the opposite of unifying. It divided the nation and brought a state of grievance to Am Yisrael. 
Kairach's rebellion became a symbol for division in Tyra for anyone who would enter into machlaikas, into argument. How is this possible? Kairach wants achtus, unity, but it becomes discord. The solution to this puzzle is alluded to in the words of Moshe when he responded to Kairach's grievance to Moshe and Aaron that they raised themselves above everyone else. In the morning, Hashem will make known, said Moshe, which the Medrash Tanchoma and Rashi, quoting the Medrash, explained to mean that Moshe was saying to them, Hashem has assigned boundaries in this world of His. Can you change morning into night? That's how possible it is for you to change this. It's Hashem who determined evening and then morning. Vayihi Erev, Vayihi Boiker, Vayavdel. God created separation. And so too, Aaron was set apart to sanctify God in his priestly service. How do we understand Moshe's answer? As God created the world with ten utterances and not with one, creation exists within the parameters of boundaries and division in rank, created by God and applied to all creatures. Thus, every creature experiences a limitation and a boundary, making it different to another creation. Just as there are limitations on day and on night, limitations in time and division of purpose, each day and night contribute to the complete entity of one day, Yaim Echad. So it is for each and every human being and creature. Ultimately, creation can manifest in wholeness only when each creature fulfills its role for which it was created within the parameters of its limitations. When a creature or a human being denies its or his or her purpose within the parameters of his limitations or boundaries and performs the purpose set for a different creation, a confusion manifests in the order of creation, as the Rambam states, throws disorder into the work of creation. Just as these, as there are these boundaries and differences in created beings, there are boundaries and differences in the measure of holy light that is found within creation. As they are defined in the realms of Olam, space, world, Shana, time, and nefesh, life force, or soul, for the human being. There are varying degrees of holiness in this world, as we learn from the ten degrees of holiness existent, as the Mishnah teaches us, and as Maimonides calculates, the ten tiers of holiness in Eretz Yisrael, one level higher than the next. The same is true for time, Shana. As we have weekdays, holidays, and the holiest of days, Yom Kippur. And so too in Nefesh, soul. In the souls of Israel, we have a composite of three soul levels, Koyhanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim. Even within the priesthood, among the Koyhanim, there are varying levels. From the Koyhen Hedyot, the ordinary Koyhen, to the highest level of Kahuna of the priesthood, the Koyhen Gadol. Among us, as a nation, there are ten divisions, from the heads of tribes, Roshechem, Shiftechem, to the woodchoppers, to the water carriers. These divisions make up 
the 600,000 root souls of our nation. And just as the desirable action of each being is that they don't change their purpose, ultimately fulfilling their set purpose, not another's purpose, thereby creating wholeness in the world and in creation, also peace depends on people not breaching the boundaries of others, on not causing strife by taking that which belongs to someone else. The same is true in levels of holiness. Spiritual peace is dependent on not breaching boundaries and not negating the status of another, whether in space, in time, or soul. Rather, each one maintains their appropriate set boundary. True peace, however, goes beyond just maintaining boundaries and not being at war. True peace is about unity and wholeness. When each level or individual impacts and influences the other, wholeness depends on maintaining the boundaries and simultaneously sharing a flow from one entity to another. As we say in our prayer when we speak of the varying levels of angels who receive from one another, or as the flow from the higher level of angel to the lower. As we know about the Beis Hamikdash, an expression of Makim, space or place, our sages tell us that Misham says the Cholham Oilam Kulei, a light, a light flowed from the temple out to the entire world. And as we know regarding Shabbos, an expression of Zman, time, the energy of Shabbos, the holiness of this elevated day, influences the days of the week that follow. And the spiritual influences of the Kayan Gadol, the high priest, flows down to us and impacts every Jew in their performance of the priestly blessing. And through the other priestly services that they perform, this is the experience of Nefesh. The same is true in reverse. In the realm of Olam, place, the tabernacle, the Mishkan, and the Beis Hamikdash were built and became a reality through the donations and input of every Jew. The divine service in the Mishkan, which brings God's presence among us, is the service of sacrifices, which are brought to the temple by the people. In the realm of time, Shana, the festivals and Shabbos are bound up and are celebrated corresponding to our preparation and anticipation of these days. The Mishnah states, Misha Torah Shabbos, one who endeavored in the preparations for Shabbos will enjoy the feasting of Shabbos, which we understand to mean that one's experience of holiness on Shabbos is correspondent to his experience of the work week preceding it. And then Benefesh, in the human experience, the Gemara teaches that the Kayan's priestly, sanctified position should be noted by being given the first. The opportunity to bless first, to be served first. In this way, it is the nation that enhances the elevated position of a Kohen. This isn't just about honor or upholding the standards of honor and peace. It's the actual influence that one has in the Kohen's position of sanctification. So all human tears of existence are intact and simultaneously each 
influences and impacts the other. This is what brings us to the loftiest and holest experience of unity and peace. The Alter Rebbe in the Maimur Lukotei Torah describes our nation as a koima achas shleima. Each of us needs the other to stand upright. Just as in the human body, each limb and organ has a unique trait and unique value needed by the other limbs and organs to function. So it is with our people who, as the Alter Rebbe describes it, are like the man who is one complete upright being, head on top, feet down below, and yet the head can't take you anywhere. Only the feet can. And though one's head is clearly in an elevated position, it's one's feet and legs that keep them upright. The same is true for the experience of Olam, place. The ten levels of holiness in Eretz Yisrael are sustainable only when they are ten. And the loftiest of the ten is so only when there are ten levels of holiness. In time, Shana, this is true as well. A week is complete when there are weekdays that culminate in Shabbos or in a festival. In fact, the word Shana, year, connotes change, Shinoi, the changing of the seasons. And all that these changes bring comprise a complete year. What we understand then is that in all three categories of Olam, Shana, and Nefesh, peace, Shalom, and unity, Achtus, is a composition of all levels, comprised of all aspects, to create a single whole, where boundaries are intact, because to have the wholeness, intact boundaries, and divisions are necessary. Rather than what equates things, it's the differences that are important, just like the human body, which can only be considered whole when it's the sum of all its parts. Uppermost, the head, the body, and lowermost, the legs, incorporating all the different 248 limbs and 365 sinews. This concept of peace and unity in all three categories was in regards to creation, created with ten utterances, hence an amalgamation of different assorted parts, and the light that fills creation, the light of the divine in creation, in the three parts of Olam, Shona, and Nefesh, space, time, and soul, is divided into ten holy sparks, the ten spheres, representing ten aspects of the divine, which come together to form a complete entity. God's divine presence as it rests in this world, but the actual origin of divine light, certainly at its very root, Transcending all boundaries and any description, the oneness that exists is the pure element of oneness, not a composite that creates a whole. This pure, simple element of oneness pervades and can be seen in these three categories of creation as well, in Olam, Shona, and Nefesh. In the realm of space, the Holy of Holies, where the Aran was kept, defied definition and measure. The Kodesh HaKodshim was beyond this created entity of space. And so the Ark that stood in the Holy of Holies took no space as the Holy of Holies defied the creative limitation in Olam. In the category of time, Zman or Shana, Yom Kippur stands beyond time. It's the holiest day of the year but exists for only one day representing the absolute oneness of God 
and in the entity of Nefesh, the human being, only one Kayan Gadol was in place. The unified oneness of the Kayan Gadol, Anyam Kippur, the holiest day, entering the Holy of Holies, brought into simple unity the diverse levels of Jews as we exist in our individual levels of divine service. Accordingly, we will understand the way our sages in the Medrashtan Choma describe Kairach. Kairach shapikeach hoya mara'a lishtus ze. Kairach was such a genius. And then the sages question his folly. So what did he see? Because who is smart sees the future, that he did something so foolish. Genius isn't pure. Genius inculcates foolishness. Kairach has never before referred to as genius, but it's his folly that tells us of his genius in this Parsha. Kairach saw the future, not just what was revealed before his eyes, but the innermost aspect of something which at a future time all would see. In other words, Kairach's complaint that all Jews are holy, Hashem is among us all, so why should you be elevated above us saying that there is no room for various levels among us, came from this genius in his intellect, seeing as he could the ultimate level of oneness at our root, where there are no varying levels, only simple pure oneness. This oneness would indeed be seen in the time of future redemption, when in the peace and unity of the world, as our sages teach regarding this time to come, the time to come, man will not need to teach his fellow about God, for all will know me. But Kairach was wrong, and it was foolishness, because that experience of oneness exists only in the realm of the root of the world of Bria, and only in the time to come, la'asid lavo. Not now, here below, when our purpose is to fulfill all the mitzvahs. Right now, right here, that quest of Kairach could bring us only to a state of discord, the opposite of peace. To explain this further, when we say the entire congregation, all are holy, suggesting that everyone's holiness is equal, and therefore a Yisrael, not a Kayhem, this was Kairach's suggestion, can enter the Beis Hamikdash and bring his karbanis and his incense offering, because this is not the Jews' purpose in divine service, separation results. The divine spark in the Jew that receives its influence through the Kayan Gadol, whose divine service this is, separates and departs back above, because the physical container of parts that is his body cannot contain this divine service and its individual spark of life as a creation of God descends. It loses its container and becomes swallowed up. So too for the entirety of the nation of Israel, when there isn't the one elevated individual sanctified by God for this purpose. In other words, the boundaries and separation between Kehanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim and the boundaries between the Kayan Gadol and the rest of the nation are missing these very boundaries that currently create wholeness, peace, and unity with divine influence flowing from one level to a second, thus creating wholeness and an upright, viable people. Separation and division ensues, and the elevated ones rise, 
and the others descend lower, and the unity through boundaries collapses. Now we can understand how the punishments of being consumed by fire and the punishment of being swallowed correspond to the sins of the sin of causing dissension, because these two punishments as one represent, represent each the pilug, the separation of the elevated sparks and the descent of the lower sparks. Fire consumes and disperses the refined part of what bring, excuse me, of what's burning. And what descends and disappears into the depths is the coarser part that cannot be consumed and elevated by fire. This correlates as well to the differences in the punishments and those punished very clearly. The 250 people consumed by fire were the leaders of the tribes, the heads of Sanhedrin. They were elevated people among Bnei Yisrael. Those who were swallowed up were like Dosan and Aviram, people who had already previously diminished themselves by their sins, people who were Rishoim, wicked. The emphasis on the fact that they were swallowed speaks to the idea that the spark of holiness of these people who sought alongside Kairach to render obsolete the boundaries put in place by God became nullified or becomes nullified and descends into the three impure levels of Klippa. And these sparks, as we know, that are consumed within the impure Klippas become nurturers of the impure Klippas. And this is the intention of the idea of being swallowed. Now going back to the Medrash that tells us that Kairach was punished with both being consumed by fire and being swallowed up by the ground. And why? Because he was the source of the dissension. He convinced them all to join him. Both these punishments reflect the two effects of his actions. Had he been punished only with one, the complaint he was saved would be a reference to how the punishment would not impact him, either the higher or lower portion. Therefore, he was punished with both his soul, his loftier self burned, leaving his body intact, and then his body, his lower self, swallowed up, and he then rolled into the depths. Our discussion carries a lesson for all time, but particularly for our time. There are those who argue that for the sake of peace and brotherhood, we shouldn't be too particular about the strictures, boundaries, and separations that God put into place in this world, beginning with the removal of a barrier between men and women, bringing down boundaries regarding bringing women as court witnesses, and as witnesses for divorce proceedings or as witnesses for marriage proceedings, for women to serve as part of a minion and other such things. An attempt to mix Jews and non-Jews, breaching the boundary between Yisrael and the nations, may it never be so, through conversions that are not halachically approved. From Kairach's actions, we learn this lesson. When you breach the boundaries that Hashem himself placed in his world in addition to the primary issue that you're taking a position against God, you bring no peace, just the opposite, separation and dissent. Those things that are different 
cannot be made the same, and they cannot be bound together other than through their appropriate healthy boundaries, like fire and water can only be brought together by virtue of the pot that holds the water. Without that boundary, there is no purpose in merging them. They will simply cancel each other out. Only by strengthening the boundaries and separations that God placed as dividers in his world, and by conducting ourselves in accordance with the task and purpose for which God created us, can peace be achieved, a peace that must rest between the different types, because this is a peace built on Torah, whose paths are all paths of peace. Only through this will we merit a time when there will be no war and no jealousy, when Mashiach will come. Mashiach from the seed of David and Shlema. Shlema about whom it is said, Hu ish menucha. He brings calm and peace in his time. Then too, in the days of Mashiach, we will be separated from the nations of the world, but the world will be repaired with all serving God united and the nations of the world will have the language with which to call out God's name and to serve him as one.